This episode of For the Love with Jen Hatmaker is brought to you by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. They can be big, difficult, even scary life things, and also small inconveniences that add up day after day. The thing is, when we keep them all bottled up on the inside and just try to grin and bear it, it can start to affect us and the people around us negatively. We may even isolate ourselves, which makes it even worse. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. This was the case for me when I was at the highest stress level in my life, where the stress was even having physical consequences for me. Therapy was a huge part of my healing journey to learn how to manage the stress. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash for the love today and get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash for the love. You guys, how important is sleep temperature? It's everything to me. And this is where Chili Pad by Sleep Me comes in. Its mission is to elevate the quality of human life through cool sleep. The Chili Pad bed cooling system is your new bedtime solution. It lets you customize your sleeping environment to your optimal temperature, ensuring you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Chili Pad works with your existing mattress. It's a water-based mattress topper that continuously controls your bed temperature from 55 to 115 degrees. It's designed for one or two sleepers. So if your partner likes to sleep at a different temperature or you only need it for one side of the bed, it still works. I just put this on top of my existing mattress and voila. So whether you're dealing with night sweats or simply seeking a better night's rest, Chili Pad is here to transform your existing mattress into a sanctuary of cool, relief, and comfort. Visit www.sleep.me slash FTL to get your Chili Pad and save up to $315 with code FTL. This offer is exclusively available for the love listeners, only for a limited time. So order it today with free shipping and try it out for 30 days. You can return it for free if you don't like it with your sleep trial. So visit www.sleep, that's S-L-E-E-P, dot M-E slash F-T-L, because every woman deserves to wake up feeling refreshed and ready to conquer the day ahead. Hey, everybody, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. You guys, welcome to the show. A little bit of tears, a little bit of cheers, because today we're wrapping up our For the Love of Community and Friendship series, which I have just genuinely loved. This was just a packed series of goodness. If you have missed a single episode in the series, I'm telling you, go back and get them. Go back and pick them up. It's just been so hopeful and inspiring and useful and actually universal. And so speaking of that, let's talk about friends for a second. Essentially the stuff of life, at least to me, really no matter who you are, whether you're like the, I like a lot of friends, big groups, big, I like quantity, or you're more like, I like quality. It doesn't really matter. The people in our life have such a profound effect on our well-being, our friends and our communities and our families. And the way that this shifts and changes sometimes in life, particularly when something goes sideways. 
when you end up in an unexpected place in your life, whatever it might be, all of a sudden you really have to evaluate like, what are my connections and who is in my world and what have I done to strengthen those bonds? And, you know, that's when the rubber really meets the road. And at that point, you are really, really hoping that you have created some sort of like chosen family, right, around you. And so today I want to talk a little bit about the kind of changing landscape of of family in the context of friendships and our communities, what it looks like when our family looks different, like different from maybe the folks around us, maybe different from what we expected, maybe different from what we used to have. That can take on a, a million different shapes But then finding and figuring it out, figuring out like, where does my community fit into a life of flourishing? Really, no matter what the configuration is or what sort of hard space you're personally navigating. And we have such a good guide for this conversation today. This is my first time to talk to her in a live setting, and she's just effervescent and smart. And I was just so drawn to her. We have the very remarkable Emma Nadler today. So Emma is a psychotherapist and she's an author and speaker. She's an advocate for inclusive and diverse relationships, which we're going to talk about. So in her private practice, she does this valuable work of helping people understand and learn to tolerate their emotions and finding meaning in everything good and bad and building deeper relationships. And so she has been fearlessly challenging societal norms and working to reshape our understanding of what it means and what it looks like to create meaningful connections and support systems. And so not only does she obviously bring her credentials to the table, but a wealth of personal experience, which she and I are going to talk about. So if you're not already familiar with Emma, I'm telling you, check out her memoir, which is called The Unlikely Village of Eden. It's funny and tender and also hopeful. It's about learning to adapt and accept things when life doesn't go as planned. Hello. Who doesn't relate to that? It's so good. And you're just going to, you're going to just adore her. I, I'm proud of her resilience and her wisdom. And we're going to talk about practical steps here on both fostering really authentic connections, asking for help, creating inclusive spaces, which she's got a really interesting take on. She's going to tell us about this, but she's got a daughter with a really rare genetic condition. It wasn't, of course, what she expected, and it's what she has, and it's changed the landscape of both her family and her community. And so we're going to place that in the story. And I think that her insights are going to inspire you. I think they're going to challenge us all to look beyond maybe our preconceived notions and actively work toward building a world where belonging is more than possible for every one of us. So let's jump in. You're going to love her and you're going to love this conversation. So I hope you enjoy this episode with the wonderful Emma Nadler. I am so happy to meet you, Emma. 
we just love your work over at the show and we're just delighted when you agreed to come on. Thank you for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. I love your work. And I actually recently got my hands on Feed These People, your cookbook, which my friend Deborah, who's an amazing home cook, wholeheartedly recommended to me. And I have read it nearly cover to cover. Okay. Like read it because it's that good. (laughs) And I have laughed. How do you make a cookbook that funny? Like, I was like, what? Like, it's so (laughs) good. It's so good. That is so nice. Thank you for saying that. It was such a fun project, but that is, I'm delighted that my little book is in your kitchen. That makes me feel so happy. (laughs) It's actually in my bedroom because I'm just reading it. Like I'm reading, like, like you'd read anything soothing. Totally. And inspiring. That's exactly how I read cookbooks. Yeah. I recommend that to anyone who's, who's stressed in any way, like read a cookbook. Yeah. Listen, sometimes we can't solve the world's problems, but we can solve dinner. You know, like that's, that's our bandwidth. So yeah, there's a place for it. (laughs) Tackle dinner. That's right. Tackle dinner. Okay. Emma, I've told my listeners kind of like the broad strokes about you and your work, but I wonder if you would mind kind of walking it back just a little bit. Would you share with my community just a little bit about you and your life and your people, where you are, and kind of the the main plot points that led you to kind of question and then even redefine maybe some of the traditional notions of a family and community? Yeah. So I wrote this book, The Unlikely Village of Eden, which is a memoir, and it's really about it's about relationships, ultimately. And it's about when life doesn't go to plan, when life is hard. And so if I was going to say, like, what am I about? That's kind of what I'm about, is how do we connect with others and be a part of something in joyful and difficult times? And I didn't invent that. Like, there's so much research on how much the power of relationships affects our lives. You know, we have like a vast body of research from, you know, Robert Waldinger's work with the Harvard study, you know, of adult development, but there's so many others that have contributed to that really factual understanding of how much relationships play out in our lives. And then I think I had the very specific experience of having a life that I thought I was going to have. So I thought I thought I was going to have my second child, whose name is Eden, and I thought we were gonna. She was going to be healthy, and that was the plan. Everything looked good, and then she was born with a rare genetic deletion. She is missing a significant amount of DNA, and that's affected her in so many ways. But we didn't know when we got the diagnosis because it's so rare how it would affect her. So there was just like a lot of really hard possibilities. Like she might have lifelong heart conditions or degenerative hearing loss and significant developmental delays. I mean, the, the, the list was, I'm not going to tell you all of it because we don't have time. It's so for, long. Yeah. Yeah. Like all the possibilities of hard. And so getting through that and moving through 
various stages of grief and, you know, kind of helping her along her path, you know, I really got to forge connections and, and really deepen that. So that that's what the book's about. That's what I'd like to be about. And that's kind of the short of it. It's so relatable because this is a unique and rare experience that you are having in your family, but the whole experience of having a life or a moment or a season that is unexpected, that didn't fit the should list, which we all have, whether we do that intentionally or not, you know, we're kind of handed this template. This is what it all looks like. This is the thing. This is what you'll get. This is normal. And so when any sort of anything diverts from that sort of form, we're faced with options. Like, what do we do? How do we respond? What does this mean? What will this look like in the future? And that's what you're writing about. That is ubiquitous. I mean, that is the human experience. I mean, I'm almost 50 and I almost don't know anybody almost in my, like my real, like little real life. Who's not in one category or 12 in a bit of a plan B, you mm-hmm. know? Right. I am. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I am. So you're talking and I'm like, no, I knew you would, I know your, your story. And I, and I, you know, we, we have this thing in common, like so many people where, yeah, we think it's going to be one way and it isn't. And then we have to recalibrate. Sometimes that means finding our people again, who are the people who show up for us? How can we keep showing up for them? How do we do this new life? How do we just adapt? And yeah, I think most people have a version of that and it looks a lot of different ways, but that core piece is similar around reinvention and adapting to what is. Not yeah, what that's right. So broadly here, there's this concept of family that we are taught and we also just, we catch it too. It's in the atmosphere and it's what we see. And so in your experience, how do you see the concept of family evolving? How has it evolved over time, specifically in our context? And and then practically, because this is what you do, what are some of your suggestions? What's your approach? What's your advice on how to either help others or ourselves or both embrace what is really new norms now without reservation, without a sense of loss or despair or even fear or being stuck in this idea of what should be or what we expected. Mm -hmm. And I think there might be fear and there will be fear and there will be even maybe despair. And I was pretty open, very open in my memoir about I, I did encounter despair and, and I think sometimes we do. And then the question is, how do we not be alone in that despair? Because I think we can manage almost anything if we're not alone. I've always been interested in like, how do we do relationships in creative ways from when I was younger? This has just always been an interest of mine. I, I majored in community studies in college. I went to UC Santa Cruz, like, Go banana slugs, and, <laughs> sure. which, is my, which is my kind of mascot. Totally. <laughs> it's just like a little offbeat. <laughs> and, and I've just been really interested in like, how do we do this together? And maybe 
it has to be beyond that traditional view of family because we're born into something and we get certain things from that family and we might get a lot of things. We might get a lot of love. Some people do, some people don't get what they need, but I think we can even take that and build on it in the relationships that we create in our lives. I work with a lot of people in my therapy practice who maybe, you know, I think there can be some grief around family of origin and sort of acceptance of what did we get from them and what do we want to build on? And, and then I think the exciting part in life is like, we get to take it from there. So yes, there's grief in life. And there's also so much possibility of then what do we want to create? So I don't think it has to stop at the grief, you know, like the grief is a part of it. The sadness is a part of it, but also could we do like hope and joy and dance parties? What I'm trying to say is a radical insistence that we can have a good life with whatever's happening. And I think that means building sometimes outside of even our family of origin and outside of the family of biology to, to include other people. And in our case, we've gotten to know some really amazing caregivers, Mark and Julie, who talk in my book about who were random strangers who we met by chance. I asked for help from my colleague. I said, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And she said, I think I can connect you with someone. I think, you know, by sort of this humble asking for help, sometimes we can meet these people in these chance encounters that change our lives. So, so that's what I think we can build into family and community. However you want to say it, family is kind of a loaded word through deep friendships. There's, there's so many ways. And that's what this village's concept is about. It's like, it, yeah, it might not be someone you were born with, but maybe we can create those connections along the way. This idea of community and connection and relationships, some of the ones we just get because we're born into it, some we create on purpose, some we get by accident, to me ends up being the substance of of a good life. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Guys, it's already allergy season in Texas. My yard is in full bloom and all the things are in the air. So I decided allergies will not win this year. So I tried Astapro. It has improved my nasal allergy symptoms and it's faster, bro. Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. So get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go, you guys, today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Ask to pro and go. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about the practice of making those connections. One pain point I hear in my community a lot is kind of in general, a sense of loneliness here in this sort of conversation, because everybody has something. I always say that everybody has some, you're working through like incredibly rare complications with your daughter. This person over here just 
lost their mom prematurely. I got divorced after 26 years. Everybody had something. And so we need each other. We just do. And so I'd like to hear your thoughts, how you coach your clients, what you do personally in your own personal best practices to really create that community that holds and that lasts. Yeah, I think this is a great question. And it is one that so many people grapple with, including myself. And I like to really be open about that. Like, I'm not a success story that I've arrived at some perfect community. I think it's all a work in progress because of the world we live in and because of these times and how easy it is to feel separate. And, and especially as a caregiver and for all the caregivers out there, I just really want to speak because there's 53 million mm. caregivers in wow. the United States right 53 now. million. 53 wow. million caregivers. And we can really feel alone, even though we're not, because often our work, we're tucked away, we're at home. We have so much that we're grappling with that isn't seen. And so it can really feel alone, I can share some things that I know, which is asking for help, being, I think, bold enough to be a person who either asks for help or makes an invitation to connect with someone else, because most people want the connection. What we don't want to do and what is hard is the vulnerability of it is the putting it out there. But yet, if we try, and I was one of these people, like, when I started my adventure with Eden, my daughter, I was somebody who would have much rather sort of just had it together and I don't want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It feels great. Right. In a certain way until it really doesn't. So I think like the biggest thing I would want to share with your, this community of listeners is to take the risk to do a small thing to reach out to a trusted person, start really small. Because we can do things gradually. It's really hard if something is like a 10 in terms of how hard it is to do. Like, let's say going to a huge birthday party for someone is a 10 on a fear scale. I would not recommend to actually start with that. I would recommend to do something that's more like a two or three in terms of a risk. So start smaller with something that you think you can actually do, but it's a stretch to invite someone, to to meet someone, somebody who you think would give you a a positive response. And you kind of start small and, and specifically make a very specific ask. Don't say, let's get together sometime. Yeah, right. I want you to say, do you have time to meet this for coffee this weekend or a walk? As specific, it's fine to give a choice. It's fine to give, you know, some options, but but I want you to make it specific enough so that the person knows you're you're really in it with them. You really want this. And it's not a general, I hope we see each other again, you know, because that isn't gonna get you to the connection. It has to really be more direct, I think, than sometimes people think even that it, that it should be. To your earlier point human people crave connection. So it's not as if we're alone in that desire. Other people want to connect too. We share this. There's this comfort in knowing that most people are also craving connection. And so 
in a lot of cases, this is low-hanging fruit and an easier ask than we might think. In your perspective, as we're intentionally making connections with our neighbors, our community, how do you think embracing really on purpose some sense of diversity and intersectionality plays a role here in the way in which we are defining what our little community looks like? What's the benefit here? Because you just said it should be enough that you can do it, but it should stretch. It should stretch. It should pull a little. And so I'd like to hear you talk about maybe that additional layer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's so much to, to think about in, in this piece. And I think we could really learn from nature because in nature, the more diverse the ecosystem, the better the resources and the more abundant the ecosystem. So like we know with biodiversity means things are healthy. So I think that's a part of it is like, I'm a big nature person. I just, it's a part of us, I think. And we we like to pretend we're really separate from that. I think there's that piece. I'm really informed by different identities that I grew up with. I have a Jewish upbringing. And that really, I think, informs the way I think and question things. The definition of Israelite is actually to wrestle with God. And I think we just like to wrestle with questions and to think about things critically. And that informed me. I also identify as queer. And and that community really helped me feel like so much is possible. The queer community, I think, really came into the chosen family. But it, it came from sort of this queer ethos of chosen family Partly because, you know, so many of us were judged by Projected. our own biological yeah, family of course. Yeah. and had to do that and then had to create communities of support and nurturance. But I think there's a lot to learn from the part of it that is so adaptive and so inclusive and in saying, we're going to do this. We're going to support each other. We're going to be here for each other. So I'm really informed by that as well. And I think we can learn a lot from that history and from the queer community about resilience and about kinship. And so that's really near and dear to my heart. I think when we get to know each other, we see our humanity. So however people can be in the same spaces, understand each other, talk, have conversations, that's how it happens. That's how we understand each other. That's that's how we broaden our connections. And reduce hate and bigotry and all the things that are bringing us way down. It just rolls downhill in so many beautiful ways, not just interpersonally, but communally, culturally, certainly. Uh, That's where some of the most beautiful parts of my life are, are at those intersections. I grew up in a really homogenous environment, very. I just had absolutely no, no grip on different perspectives really of any kind, racially, socially, culturally, religiously. I mean, I was, it was a monolith. And so it's been the like work and joy of my adult life to absolutely become expansive to the world and onboard a million different kinds of friends and colleagues and mentors and teachers and, and just to go, well, look at the world. It is so much more beautiful than I knew. And of course that can, it can stretch and it can pull and it does. I mean, it just pulls you right out of your little bubble, but I can't imagine a more 
lovely life. And, and to your earlier point, healthy. That's how the nature works. It's healthy. Those are interconnected and interrelated on purpose. And so, yeah. And less boring. Oh God, less, and less boring. boring. I don't only want to look at a rose bush my whole life. Like, do we need everyone to be just like us? Like that's really in a way boring. And I think what is exciting about life is to learn from new perspectives and to understand other viewpoints. And I really do want to stay and acknowledge though, what you're saying about where you came from and then also the work you're doing now as such an ally and just really outright supporter of the LBGTQ community and how I know you really kind of risked a lot to like be that ally and say, I stand with you and not everyone, you know, in, in certain circles got that. And I just feel like that makes you who you are. And I just respect that so much that you were able to, to like evolve. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And to like, and to take it in and to grow and to do that publicly. That's beautiful to do that and to be willing to change. Yeah. It's a really nice thing to say. I want to ask you one last question here. I'd just love to hear any final thoughts that you have to my community, to my listeners, in terms of building the kind of family that you have, whatever it looks like, because family no longer looks just this way. In fact, that's the exception to the rule, frankly, at this point, like the nuclear, like old fashioned idea of family. So what would you say to people? This is the family that you have by hook or by crook. And then this is the community that you have the chance. You have the opportunity, like you said earlier, everything's possible because now, now what we do with it is what we do with it. That's ours. What would you say to that person? Like, here's where you are and here's how you can move forward. And here's your hope. I would say, put it out there. So I recently just had a friend text me that she said, I would like to be closer friends. I would actually like to see you more. I would like to move forward in our friendship. We've known each other for many years. We'd see each other a couple times a year, like so many people do, right? You see people, you love seeing them. And then for some reason, you just don't see them again for a long time. So we were doing that. And she texted me and she said, I just want to be like close friends with you. And here's why we have this in common and we have some dear people in common. I know her. And I was like, this is exactly what I want. I love it. I just the boldness of that request, the open heartedness. So inspiring. And again, you that this has a time and a place, right? We knew each other. We had some connection. You can't necessarily, you know, email your random neighbor and say that. But we we were kind of on this path, but we never got there. And she did that. And it was like, it felt like a puzzle piece moving into place. Oh, I love that story. And so I guess what I want to say about that is even if it doesn't happen exactly like that, right? That's, that's sort of this maybe one-off thing. But it's like, what would it be like to really be open with people about what we are looking for in our relationships, what we want, and really let that in. And the reason we've, in my family and in in my life, the reason we were able to connect with caregivers and friends with Eden is because we really did, we really put it out there. We said like, would you be willing to fill this role? 
And a lot of times, like with Eden's caregivers, we said, would you be willing to have a room in your home for our child? Would you be willing to? And they said, absolutely. But I don't think they would have, if we wouldn't have asked for that. That's right. And sometimes you get a no. Sometimes people go, I can't meet you where you are. And that's okay because we're not for everyone, right? And and what we want isn't for everyone. And what we want to do is find the fit of do we want the same things? That's like, to me in relationships, the question I'm most interested in is, do we want the same things out of this relationship? If you're looking for someone in dating, if you're looking for a friendship, if you're looking for community, I would be thinking about that one question. You both have to have an opening for the same or similar role in your life. So I would be scanning for who has an opening for what you want and how can you match with that person? And that's what I would say. I would say we're full of possibilities here. We just never know when we're going to meet someone who will change our life. That's right. I'm going to think about that the rest of the day, what your friend said to you. So clear and so tender. And look, it's going to just bear like beautiful fruit in your relationship. Like that's so lovely. I love it. Emma, I just, you and I have scratched the surface. I know for sure. I know my community. They're going to be like, need more Emma. Will you please tell my community, like, here's where they can find your book. Here's where they can find your work and follow you. And just because you are like just this wealth of just knowledge and experience that I for sure want my, my people to be like plugging into. Thank you. Um, And you can, well, you can find the unlikely village of Eden, my memoir, wherever you get your books, you can follow me on Emma Nadler writes on Instagram. And I'm just like, so thrilled to get this conversation with you. Because I feel such a resonance with what you're doing to bring people together and the way that you show up. And I'm just so glad I got to be here. So thank you for this. Thank you. I just am so grateful to know that you made time for this in the middle of life that's hard sometimes. That means so much to me. If you are ever anywhere near Austin, Texas, dinner on me. I'm very good at food. So <laughs> thank you. I am a huge Austin fan. I got to tell Great. you, come on down. I'm all in on Austin. Like I come gush on Austin. I'm like, I want to retire to Austin. It's great. Got right? Something good there. Yeah. And listener, I'm going to get all of Emma's stuff and round it up for you in one spot. Like all the links, all the, the book, her socials, just everything else. Don't worry about it. Like you have to remember it all. I'm going to get that right into your hot little hands. Big fan over here. Thank you. Thank you for being who you are in the world. Thank you for using your vast wisdom to like serve the rest of us. That's what you're doing. It's a labor of love and it matters. And I love the way that you're living your life. And so I'm just delighted to have met you. And I'm just sending you so much love today as I know the rest of the day is going to involve hospitals and hard things. And so I'm just going to think of you all day long. Thank you. I will okay. thank you too. Thank you so much, Jen. Bye, Emma. Bye-bye. All right, you guys, I think she's fantastic. And I'll round up all of this for you over at jenhatmaker.com. 
under the podcast tab. So you can get this episode link, you can get the show notes, you can get all the links to Emma's book and her socials and all her spaces. I really hope you'll follow her. I also really hope you loved this series as much as I did. Every single episode in this series, I walked away from going, that was like powerful for me. There were moments that I'm still thinking about. There are guests that really like stretched me and challenged me and I just loved it. I'm sad it's over. So again, if you missed any of them, go back and pick them up. And by the way, go ahead and just subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. That way, all the episodes will be nice and tidy, like right in your phone. You'll never miss another one and you can go back and listen at your leisure. But this was a really, really good series. So thank you for listening. Thank you for all your incredible responses. We read every comment you write, every review, every rating. Thank you, thank you, thank you times a million. You have made this podcast exactly what it is. We're so grateful for our pod community. You are so smart and brave and loyal, and it's just our joy to serve you. Excited to bring you a brand new series next week, you guys. Thanks for being here. See you then. 